Chapter 8. A View of the Overlook Mommy was worried. She was afraid the bug wouldn't make it up and down all these mountains and they were going to get stranded on the side of the road where someone might come ripping along and hit them. Danny himself was more sanguine. If Daddy thought the bug would make it make this one last trip, then probably it would. We're just about there, Jack said, when he brushed her hair back from her temples. Thank God. She was sitting in the right-hand bucket, a Victoria Holt paperback open, but face down in her lap. She was wearing her blue dress, the one Danny thought was her prettiest. It, it had a sailor collar and made her look very young, like a girl just re getting ready to graduate from high school. Danny, Daddy kept pu putting his hand high up on her leg, and she kept laughing and brushing it off, saying, Get away! Fly! Danny was impressed with the mountains. One day, Daddy had taken them up in the ones in your boulder, the ones they had called the flat irons, but these were much bigger, and on the tallest of them, you could see a fine dusting of snow, which Daddy said was often there year-round. And they were actually in the mountains, no goofing around. Sheer rock faces rose all around them, so high you could barely see their tops even by craning your neck out the window. When they left the boulder, the temperature had been in the high 70s. Now, just after noon, the air up there it felt crisp and cold like November back in Vermont, when and Daddy had the heater going. Not that it worked all that well. They had pressed several signs that said, Falling Rock Zone. Mom, Mommy read the one to him. And although Danny had waited anxiously to see some rock fall, none had. At least, not yet. Half an hour ago, they had passed another sign that Daddy said was very important. The sign said, Entering Sidewinder Pass. And Daddy said that sign was as far as the snowplows went in the wintertime. After that, the road got too steep. In the winter, the road was closed from the little town of Sidewinder, which they had gone through just before they got to that sign, all the way back to Buckland, Utah. Now they were passing another sign. What's that, Mom? That one says, slower vehicles use right lane. That's us. The buck will make it, Dad, Danny said. Please, God, Mommy said and crossed her fingers. Danny looked down at her open-toed sandals and saw that she had crossed her toes as well. He giggled. She smiled back, but he knew that she was still worried. The road wound up and up in the series of slow S-curves and Jack dropped the bug's stiff stick shift from fourth gear to third, then into second. The bug wheezed and protested, and Wendy's eye fixed on the, on the speedometer needle, which sank from 40 to 30 to 20, where it hovered reluctantly. The fuel pump, she began timidly. The fuel pump will go another three miles, that Jack should said shortly. The rock wall fell away on their right, disclosing a slash valley that seemed to go f down forever, lined a dark green with mo rocky mountain pine and spruce. The pines fell away to the gray cliffs of rock that dropped for a hundred, for hundreds of feet 
before this smooth smoothing out. She saw a waterfall spilling over one of them, the early afternoon sun sparkling in like a gold, golden fish snarling in a blue net. There were beautiful mountains, but they were hard. She did not think that they would forgive many mistakes. An unhappy foreboding rose in her throat. Further west in the Sierra Nevada, the, the donor party had, had become snowbound and had resorted to cannibalism to stay alive. The mountains did not forgive many mistakes. With a punch of the clutch and the jerk, Jack shifted down to the first gear and they labored upward. The bug's engine thump, thumping gamely. You know, she said, I don't think we've You've seen five cars since we came through Sidewinder. And one of them was, was the hotel limousine. Jack nodded. It goes right to Stapleton Airport in Denver. There's always some mice, icy badges up beyond the hotel, Watson says. And they're fo forecasting more snow for tomorrow up higher. Anybody going through the mountains now wants to be on the one of the main roads just in case. Goddamn omen, better, better still be up there. I guess he will be. You're sure the larder is fully stocked? She asked, still thinking of the donors. He said so. He wanted Halloran to go over it with you. Halloran's the cook. Oh, he, she said faintly, looking at the speedometer. It dropped from 15 to 10 miles an hour. There's the top, Jack said, pointing 300 yards ahead. There's a scenic turnout, and you could see the overlook from there. I'm going to pull off the road and give give the, the bug a chance to rest. He craned over his shoulder at Annie, who, who was still sitting on a pile of blankets. What do you think, Doc? We might see some deer, or caribou. Sure, Dad. The VW labored up and up. The speedometer dropped to just above the five mile an hour hash mark as it began to hitch when Jack pulled off the road. What's that sign, Mommy? Screen, seeing a turnout, she read dutifully, and stepped on the emergency brake and let and let the VW run in neutral. Come on, he said, and and got out. They walked to the guardrail together. That's it. Jack said, pointed at 11 o'clock. For Wendy, it was discovering true in a cliché. Her breath was taken away. For a moment, she was unable to breathe at all. The view had knocked the wind out of her. They were standing near the top of one peak. Across from them, who knew how far? An even taller mountain reared into the sky, its jarry tip only a silhouette that was now embossed by the sun. Nimbus by the sun, actually, which was, be which was the beginning of its decline. The whole valley floor was spread out below them, the slopes that, that they had climbed in the laboring bug falling away with such dizzying suddenness that, they, that she knew to look down there for, for, for too long would bring on a nausea and eventual vomiting. Event, the imagination seemed to spring to full, the full life in the clear air, beyond the reign of reason, and to look was to helplessly see oneself plunging down and down and down, 
sky is in slopes changing places and short cartwheels. Scream drifting from your mouth like a lazy balloon as your hair in your dress billowed out. She jerked her gaze away from the drop almost by force and followed Jack's finger. He could see the highway clinging to the side of its cathedral spiral. Switching back on itself, but always tending northwest, still climbing but at a more gentle angle. Further up, seemingly set directly into the slope itself, she saw the grimly clinging pines give away to, the, to a wide square of green lawn and standing in the middle of it, overlooking all of this, the hotel, the overlook. Seeing it, she found breath and voiced again. Oh, Jack, it, it's gorgeous. Yes, it is, he said. Holman says he thinks the angle is, most, is the most beautiful location in America. I don't care much for him, but I think he might be... Danny, Danny, are you alright? She, she looked around for him, and her son feared for him blotted out everyone else, stupendous or not. She darted toward him. He was holding onto the guardrail and looking up at the hotel. His face was a pasty gray color. His eyes had a blank look of someone on the verge of fainting. He knelt beside him and put steady hands on the shoulder. Danny, what? Jack was beside her. You okay, Doc? He gave Danny a brisk little shake and his eyes cleared. I'm okay, Daddy. I'm fine. What was it, Danny? She said. Were you dizzy, honey? No, I was just thinking. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to scare you. He looked at his parents, kneeling in front of him, and offered them a small puzzled smile. Maybe it was the sun. Maybe the sun got in my eyes. I'll get you up to the hotel and give you a drink of water, Daddy said. Okay. And then the bug, which moved upward more surely on the gentler grade, he kept looking out between them as as the road unwound, corning occasional, affording occasional glimpses of the overlook hotel, its massive bank of westward-looking windows reflecting back at the sun. It was a place he hadn't seen in the midst of a blizzard, the, the dark and booming place where, where some hideous familiar figure sought him down the long corridors carpeted with jungle. The place Tony had worn him against. It was here. It was here. Whatever red rum was, it was here. Chapter 9. Checking it out. Ullman was waiting for them just inside the wide, old-fashioned front doors. He shook hands with Jack and nodded coolly at Wendy, perhaps noticing the way heads turned when she came through the lobby, her golden hair spilling out across, across the shoulders of the simple navy dress. The hem of the dress stopped at a modest two inches above the knee. He didn't have to see more to know they were good legs. Omens seemed truly warm toward Danny only, but Wendy had experienced that before. Danny seemed to be a child for people who ordinarily held W.C. Fields' sentiments about children. He bent a little from the waist and offered Danny his hand. Danny took it formally without a smile. My son Danny, Jack said, and my wife Winifred. I'm happy to see you both, Ullman said. How old are you, Danny? Five, sir. Sir? Yet. 
Simon smiled at glanced at Jack. He's well mannered. Of course he is, Jack said. And Mrs. Torrance? He offered the same little bow. And for a bemused instant, Wendy thought he would kiss her hand. She half offered it and she did take it, but only for a moment, collapsed in both of his. His hands were small and dry and smooth. And he guessed that he powdered them. The lobby was a bustle of activity. Almost every one of the old-fashioned high-backed chairs was taken. The boys shuttled and shuttled in out with suitcases, and there was a line at the desk, which was dominated by a huge brass cash register. The make the Bank of Merit card was dumped, with and the master charge decals on, on it seemed jarringly anachromistic. To the right, down toward a, a pair of tall double doors that were pulled closed and roped off, there was an old-fashioned fireplace now brazing with birch logs. Three nuns sat on a sofa that was drawn up almost to the hearth itself. They were talking and smiling with their bags shacked up to either side, waiting, waiting for the checkout line to thin a little. As Wendy watched them, they, they burst into a chord of tingling, girlish laughter. She felt a smile touch her lips. Not one of them could be under sixty. In the background was a constant hum of conversation, a muted ding of the silver plate bell beside the cash register as one of the two, two clerks on, the, on duty struck it. The simply impatient call of, front please, it, it brought back strong, warm memories of her honeymoon in New York with Jack at the Beekman Cat Tower. For the first time, she let herself believe that this might be exactly what the three of them needed, season together away from the world, a sort of family honeymoon. She smiled affectionately down at Danny, who was goggling around frankly at everything. Now the limo, as gray as, bank, as a banker's vest, had pulled out, pulled out up front. The last day of the season, Olm was saying, closing day, always heretic. No, always hectic, sorry. I had expected you more around three, Mr. Torrance. I wanted to give the folks time for a nervous breakdown if they decided to have one, Jack said. It didn't. How fortunate, Ullman said. I'd like to take the three of you on on a tour of the of the place a little later. Of course, Dick Halloran wants to show Miss Torrance the Overlook's kitchen, but I'm afraid one of the clerks came over and almost tugged his forelock. Excuse me, Mr. Oldman? Well, what is it? It's Miss Brand. It's Miss Brand, the clerk said uncomfortably. She refuses to pay her bill with anything but her American Express card. I told her we stopped taking American Express at the end of the season last year, but she won't. His eyes shifted to the Torrance family and back to Ullman. He shrugged. I'll take care of it. Thank you, Mr. Ullman. The, the clerks crossed back to the desk where a dreadnought of a woman muffled into a lar long fur coat and what looked like a black feather boa was re remonstrating loudly. I have been coming I have been coming to the to the overlooked hotel since 1955, she was telling the smiling, shrugging clerk. 
I continue to come even after my son, second husband, died of a stroke on that tire. Some rogue from Roque Court. I told him the sun was too hot for that day, and I have never, I repeat, never paid with anything but my American Express credit card. Call the police if you like. Have fun, have them drag me away. But I will still refuse to pay with anything but my American Express credit card. I repeat. Excuse me, Mr. Ullman said. They wash some clothes across the lobby. Touch Miss Brand's elbow deferentially, and spread his hands and nod when she turned her tirade on him. She listened sympathetically, nod, nodded again, and said something in return. Miss Brand smiled triumphantly, turned to the unhappy desk clerk, and said loudly, "Thank God, there's one employee of this hotel who hasn't become an utter philistine." She allowed Omen, who barely came to the bulky shoulder of her fur, fur coat, to take her arm and lead her away, presumably in his inner office. Whew, Wendy said, smiling. There's a dude who earns his money. But he didn't like that lady, Dan Danny said immediately. He was just pretending to like her. Jack grinned down at him. I'm sure that's true, Doc, but flattery is the stuff that greases the wheels of the world. What's flattery? Flattery, Wendy told him, is when your daddy says he likes my new yellow slacks even if he doesn't, or when he says I don't need to take off five pounds. Oh, is it lying for fun? Something very like that. He had been looking at her closely and now said, you're pretty, ma. You're pretty, mommy. He frowned in confusion when they exchanged a glance, then burst into laughter. Omen didn't waste much flattery on me, Jack said. Come on over by the window, you guys. I am, I feel conspicuous standing out here in the middle with my denim jacket on. Yeah, I honest to God didn't think there'd be anyone much here on closing day. Yes, I was wrong. You look very handsome. He said, and then they laughed again, Wendy putting a hand over her mouth. Nanny still didn't understand, but it was okay. They were loving each other. Nanny thought this place reminded him of something else. The Beekman place. Where he had, she had been happy. He wished he liked it as well as he did. But he kept telling himself over and over that the things Tony showed him didn't always come true. He would be careful. He should watch for something called Red Rum. But he would not say any, anything until he absolutely had to. Because they were happy. They had been laughing. And there were no bad thoughts. Look at this view, Jack said. Oh, this is glorious. Danny, look. But Danny didn't think he was particularly gorgeous. He didn't like heights, they made him dizzy. Beyond the wide front porch, which ran, ran the length of the hotel, a beautifully ma manicured lawn, there's a, there's a pudding green on the right, slope, sloped away to the long rectangular swimming pool. A closed sign showed on a little tripod at one end of the pool. Closed was one sign he could read by himself, along with this, along with stop, exit, pizza.
and a few others. Beyond the pool was a was a gravel path wound off through the baby pines and spruces and aspens. There was a there was a small sign he didn't know. Okay. There was an arrow below it. What's W O Q A W O Q U E, Daddy? The game, Dad said. It was it's a bit like croquet. Only you play on a gravel court that has a that signs like a bit like a big billiard table instead of grass. It's a very old game, Daddy. Sometimes they have tournaments here. Do you play with a croquet mallet? Like that, Danny Jack agreed. Only the handle's a little bit shorter and the head has two sides. One one side is a hard rubber and the other side is hard wood. Come out, you little shit! It's pronounced roquet. Dan Danny was saying, I'll teach you how to play if you want. Maybe, Dan Danny said in the old and the old colorist's low voice that made his parents change a puzzled look over his head. I might not like it, though. Well, if you don't like it, Doc, you don't have to play, alright? Sure. Do you like animals? Wendy asked. That's called the topiary. Beyond the path leading to the ro to Roquet, there are hedges clipped into the shape of various animals. Danny, whose eyes were sharp, made, made out of a, ra a rabbit, a dog, a horse, a cow, and a tree of big ones that looked like frolicking lions. Those those animals were made were what made Uncle Al think of me for the job. Jack told him. He knew that when I was in college, I used to work for a landscaping company. That's a business where where, peop where people pay for people's fix. For, pe for people to fix people's lawns and bushes and hedges. I used to trim trim a labor's tofree, I guess. Wendy put a hand over her mouth and snickered. Looking at her, Jack said, Yes, I used to trim her tofree at least once a week. Get away, fly! Wendy said and snickered again. Did he have nice hedges, Dad? Jack Danny asked. That and at this, they both stifled great bursts of laughter. Wendy laughed so hard that tears streamed down her cheeks and she had to get a Kleenex out of her handbag. They weren't animals, Danny, Jack said, when he had, con he had control of himself. They were playing cards, spades, and hearts, and clubs, and diamonds. But the hedges grow, you see. They creep, Watson said. Watson had said, no, not the hedges. The boiler. You have to watch it all the time, or you and your family will end up on the fucking moon. They looked at him, puzzled. A smile had faded away off of his face. Dad? Danny asked. He blinked at them as if, as if coming back from far away. They grow, Danny, and lost their shape. So I, so I have to give them a haircut once or twice a week until it gets so cold they stop growing for a year. And a playground too, Wendy said. My lucky boy. The playground was beyond the tofu. 
two slides, a big swing set with half a dozen swings set set at various heights, a jungle gym, a tunnel made, made of a tunnel made of cement rings, sandbox, and a playhouse that was an exact replica of the Overlook itself. Do you like it, Danny? Wendy asked. I sure do, he said, hoping he'd sound more enthused than he felt. It's neat. Beyond the playground, there was an inconspicuous chain-length security fence. Beyond that, the wide, macadamized drive that led up to the hotel. And beyond that valley itself, dropping away from the bright blue haze of the afternoon. Danny didn't know the word isolation, but if someone had explained it to him, he would have seized on it. Far below, lying in the sun like a long black snake, they had, they had decided to snooze for a while was the road that led back through the white sidewinder pass that eventually went, went to Boulder, the road that would be closed all winter long. He felt a little suffocated at that thought, and almost jumped when Dan Daddy dropped his hand on his shoulder. I'll get you that drink as soon as I can, Doc. They're a little busy right now. Sure, Dad. A sprint came out of the inner office, looking vindicated. A few mom a few moments later, two bellboys struggling with eight suitcases be between them followed her as best as they could as she stood triumphantly out the door. Danny watched through the window as the man in the gray uniform and the cap hat like a captain in the army brought her long silver car around the door and got out. He tipped her. He tipped his cap her to her and ran open to, to open the trunk. And in one of the flashes that sometimes came, he got he got a complete thought from her. One that floated among above the confused, low pitched babble of emotions and colors that he used usually got in crowded places. I like to get into his pants. Dan Danny's brow wrinkled as he watched the bellboys put, put her cases in the trunk. She was looking rather sharply at the man in the gray uniform who was supervising the loading. Why would she get why would she want to get in that man's pants? Is she cold? Even with that long fur coat on? And if she was that cold, why didn't she just put on some pants of her own? His mommy wore pants just about all winter. The man in the gray uniform closed the trunk and walked back to help her into the car. Danny watched closely to see if she could say anything about his pants, but she only smiled and gave him a dollar bill. A tip. A moment later, she was gl guiding the big silver car down the driveway. He thought about asking his mother why why Miss Bram might be might want that car man's pants and decided against it. Sometimes questions could get you in a whole lot of trouble. That happened to him before. So instead he squeezed in between them on the small sofa they had been sharing and watching all the people check out of the desk. He was he was glad his mommy and daddy were so happy and loving each other, but he couldn't help being a little worried. He couldn't help it. <laughs>